Welcome to the Dayaware Podcast, where we invite expert speakers to share their wisdom, offering practical advice, helpful insights, and fresh perspectives from a biblical point of view. As a non-denominational and non-profit organization, we welcome women from all backgrounds and beliefs to join us on this journey of personal growth. Episode 3. This episode features Sarah Tesniak. Sarah is a certified professional personal development coach and founder of True Voice Coaching. She grew up in Northern California and received her degree in vocal performance at Dominican University of California. She moved to Switzerland nearly 20 years ago with her husband and has two beautiful daughters. While in Zurich, she has served as director of children's music at the International Protestant Church of Zurich, as well as leading various other musical and study ministries. Here is Sarah on the topic, mental fitness. So welcome, welcome. It's so good to see you here. Um, I hope you enjoyed your meal. It looked really delicious. That was one of the nicest spreads I've seen in any way so far in a long time. I am so excited to be able to speak to you today. I've been attending Day Away seminars in Zurich for 17 years now. Um, so I know exactly where you are and what you're doing sitting in these seats, coming to just be filled with some sort of knowledge, some sort of information, and socialize and connect with people that we are meeting. And so this has been, um, for me, Day Away has been this amazing source of connection and learning. And so I always walk away from breakfast here with inspiration and also new connections. So that's what I hope for you today, is that you will find inspiration and that you will find connections today and that you will walk away better than you came. So today I'm going to talk to you about mental fitness and how we think and why it matters. I want to share with you the perspectives and the resources that I have used to approach the topic today. So I'm going to come from knowledge that I have gained um, from my experience as a coach and my training in both proactive and something I'm going to talk to you about today called positive intelligence methods. Um, these coaching methods aid to help clients gain a deeper awareness of who we are and to make a, figure out how we tick kind of our mindset shapes uh, and how we look at the world. So a mindset is much this sort of inside-out approach, like what's going on inside of you, what are you thinking, and how are we showing up in the world. It's our internal set of beliefs, thoughts, and perspectives shaping our actions and our behaviors. So I want to show you today how scientific studies and researches have, in both neuroscience and cognitive behavioral science, have supported the topic of mental fitness I also cite the ways that God wants you to have a mentally fit mind. I'm a person of faith. My father is a retired Episcopal priest. And so I was raised in the church. And a lot of my mind is based in the things that I either were raised with or the beliefs that I have in my life. So that I'll share with you. I just know that this is a, um, a group that's very vast in our beliefs. So I invite everybody to just glean from what feels right to you. And, um, you know, let that go from where your heart is at today. Just be open to whatever you hear and take away what you can. 
the scriptures that I'll be sharing with you today are the ones that I have found to be um, inspiring and motivating for myself, and I hope you can too. So as I introduced earlier, I'm a certified professional life coach, and my coaching practice is called True Voice Coaching. It's a little play on words. As a vocalist, um, using my voice all of these years, I came up with this name, True Voice Coaching, because we also have an inner voice that's working within us, and that's kind of our mind to what we're hearing on a regular basis. And so what I would help my clients do is find their path and the truth that within what's happening inside their minds. I've really always been a person who's passionate about observing human behavior and deeply passionate about serving other people and helping them grow as well. For me, this has been a wonderful midlife transition. <laughs> Prior to this, I was the director of music and children's uh, music at uh, IBC, and I've done a lot of work with my music over the last few years and while I was raising my children as also stay-home mom um, and a doggy lover. I know there was a time in my own life that I went through this moment of lostness, a place in which I feel like I forgot a piece of myself. Perhaps that sounds familiar to you. A lot of women, we lose ourselves in our families and in our children or in our work. Um, and I had gone through a period of time just like that. I was really unhappy with aspects of my life. I often felt like a victim of my circumstances rather than a person who had choice and wisdom to decide. Through coaching and some counseling, I was able to regain myself. I get excited that I get to offer this process to others. I focus on helping my clients find and rediscover themselves through clarity of values, purpose, perspective, and discovering what gives them meaning. The service that I offer to my clients is to walk with them on their growth process. Again, this is an inside-out kind of process. Because I really have found that what we, um, how we think and what we believe about ourselves what we believe about others and what we believe about circumstances is so important how we show up in the world. I mentioned this before, this is called mindset. So your mindset is a set of beliefs that shape how you make sense of the world and yourself. It influences how you think and behave in any given situation. Through my own coaching journey, I came to realize that I often had limiting beliefs that were based in fear or based in a negative mindset towards parts of my life. I spent a lot of time looking for affirmation by pleasing and feeling like I didn't have control, which made me feel a bit like a victim. My response could often be towards doing too much or helping too much, or getting too involved, to the place of burnout. This didn't allow me to thrive or feel satisfied in who I was. On the outside, it might have looked really great, but on the inside, there was turmoil. I had, six years ago, a life-threatening illness. 
I suffered from a lung embolism. And it was really a time to say, stop and pay attention. At that same time, I also suffered from a family and marital crisis. In the midst of all of this, I suffered with anxiety, depression, fear, and it was dis disabling to me and who I thought I was. In the midst of it all, resentment was building, anger, physical pain, and health issues. And again, all of it based in a lot of fear. And I didn't know how to change. In a time of real despair and crying out, for me, as a spiritual person, I cried out to God. But even then, I was struggling to understand who he was and how he worked. However, in the midst of that, I did hear very clearly a promise. And I had a brief moment of clarity. And I heard the words, I will make all things new. In that moment, I couldn't imagine anything in my life that could be fixed, let alone be made new. It all seemed to be falling apart. And I think I said to myself, how? Or maybe I screamed out to God, how? But I had this sense deep inside of me that I was going to be okay. I couldn't grasp hold of it, but I sort of knew. And I wondered, can things be made new for me? And there was this answer that yes, it was in a shift of thinking. I didn't get this answer right away, mind you. But I held on to this promise and slowly walked a path of change, which included a shift in my thinking. The scripture that stood out to me in that time was Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. In the book Atomic Habits, written by James Clear, he states that you do not rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems. This really means that we don't always respond to life the way that we want to. We may have very lofty goals. We find ourselves on this treadmill of habits that do not allow us to get there. A lot of scientific research has even proven to this day that our willpower to actually reach our goals is futile. We don't have that kind of strength and willpower within us, that we need to develop habits that will help us get there. Most of my clients come to me because they want to shift, they want clarity and transition, they desire a better relationship, or they want to achieve something in their life. Often they're stuck in habits that are not getting them where they want to be. They're running on autopilot. They're stuck in one perspective, one view, one mindset. The systems that we are in are the habits that we form, and they often run on autopilot. 
I find it really interesting, this scripture, and it popped into my head while I was doing this research, that Paul states, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, and what I hate, I do. I felt so seen in the moment that I looked and heard the scripture. It's like, yeah, that makes sense to me. Transformation can happen, but we must build a mindset that's based on positivity rather than on negativity. And I'm reminded in Proverbs 23:7 that as someone thinks within himself, so he is. We show up with how we think. So perhaps you've heard the phrase, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. We have a little doggy here today. So sweet. <laughs> You know, we say this phrase, and perhaps some of you have heard it if you're American. I don't know if it it translates into other cultural um, languages, but this idea that the older you get, the less you're able to change. And this is not true. It is not true. (laughs) We say this because change is uncomfortable the older we get. It feels impossible, but it is not impossible. I love the little quote, if you've ever seen it, that says, the word impossible even has the word possible in it. I am possible, yes. Thank you. So God knew this statement was true for us as well. And he created us and the human race, as I believe. And science has confirmed this truth as well, that God already knew with the discoveries of the study of the brain, neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity is a fairly new study. Um, Only in the last 35 or 40 years has there been the technology to be able to monitor and see how the brain is working. And they're becoming new and more overwhelming discoveries about how our brains work. It's also called brain plasticity. So it is the ability of neural networks in the brain to change through growth and reorganization. That means your brain physically changes. What happens in the brain when it's rewired to function differently is that neurons in the brain change and shift. The literal physical nature of your brain will look different if you think different. Dr. Carolyn Leaf, who wrote this book, um, Switch on Your Brain, and a lot of my research is going to come from her. She's a communication pathologist, neuroscience, woman of faith, and a fellow South African. She says, as we think, we change the physical nature of our brain. We are consciously directing our thinking We can wire out toxic patterns of thinking, and we can replace them with healthy thoughts. I was first introduced to this idea of mental fitness through the Positive Intelligence Operating Program. As a person of faith, I've always had scriptures in my head that talks about the renewal of my mind, but I often struggled in finding practical ways to make this happen. 
As a certified coach, I'm required to do education, continued education programs. And so at the beginning of the pandemic, a coaching colleague of mine um, invited me to apply to this mental fitness training program. So I applied and I was accepted. And her and two others walked through a seven-week program of accountability called a pod. I was really blown away by how effective the simple training program was at reshifting lifelong thoughts and patterns that I had. It helped me find new perspectives, and it really helped me capture and take over the thoughts that were running rapid in my mind. I was also amazed that even though it was a coaching and a business uh, program, it's a personal development program that is neutral from spirituality, um, that anybody can join. It had this essence underneath of it that spoke very loudly to me of spiritual things. And it was aligned with my own personal values and beliefs, as well as aligned with the work that I was doing with my clients. And strangely, through this program, which was a benign program, I started to feel a deeper connection to God. I was becoming new. I got super excited about the program, and I have been leading people through these pods at the moment, and I'm also using all these tools in my coaching, and I'm working towards certification in positive intelligence as well. Within this group, I've become a member of a Christian community of practice, and we all have participated in this. We're all coaches, and we're all Christians throughout the world, and we meet once a month to discuss and look at how this can be used in our Christian faith as well, and how it might be aligned with God's desires for our thoughts and our response and responsibility in the world. So what is mental fitness? It is our ability to face a difficult challenge with a positive, open, or growth mindset. And why is this important? Well, how we think matters, and the applications are vast. From stress management, wellness and health, relationships, parenting, career planning, emotional intelligence, conflict management, creativity, leadership skills, and increased performance. And as I mentioned before, even though this isn't part of the positive intelligence um, regular program, my community of practice has found wonderful ways in which it helps with our spiritual growth. Positive thinking helps you stay in a better relationship with God. That's what I've found. And it keeps you in a better relationship with yourself and with everyone else around you. He cares about how you think. He wants a relationship with you, and he wants you to have relationships with others. He wants good things for your life as well as we do. We want and desire good things for our life. The scripture that pops into my head once again when I hear these or understand these truths is Jeremiah 29 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. We can 
care and he cares about our stress. We want to be healthy, and so does he. We need to be physically and mentally fit to function in the world that we have around us. When you change your thoughts, it gives you a greater chance at lowering your symptoms of chronic stress, anxiety, burnout, depression, and interestingly enough, heart disease. Our thoughts affect our cardiovascular system. They can clog up your veins. A reduction in negative and stressful emotions allow for more peace and joy, more imagination, more creativity, more fullness of love, and more wisdom in our lives. However, life can get messy, and being human is about having all kinds of emotions, including negative ones. So this is not a Pollyanna approach to all things are shiny, and we need to ignore and not focus on, um, not, excuse me, let me use a different word, not the word focus, and not allow ourselves to process negative emotions. Here's a list of emotions. So, again, I'm not suggesting that we ignore them. Because emotions are information that we need to live by. An easy way to think of an emotion is an emotion is an energy in motion. They help us to evaluate our experiences. They're kind of, if, yeah, if you want to think of it in, a, in that way, they don't have really a good or a bad connotation to them if we allow them to just be information to us. They do feel different in the body because they affect our nervous system in different ways. So when your nervous system is on alert and you have a negative emotion like anger, frustration, resentment, worry, regret, you're going to feel a, 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 a contraction within the body. That contraction is uncomfortable to us. That's the emotion that makes us say it's bad. Sometimes we have these negative emotions that move through us, and sometimes we have positive ones. The point here is that they need to move and not get stuck. The key to mental fitness is to not stay stuck in a negative emotion long enough to have it create a negative thought neural pathway. I'll get into that in a minute. I have a small star by grief. And I just want to say that while we want most of our negative emotions to only last a few moments, and then we want to capture them and shift, grief is the exception to the rule. It can last a long time. And normally, it's so normal, and it's very important to give grief space so that you can be mentally healthy. If we have a loss in our life, and grief can be any loss. It's not just the death. It can be the loss of a job. It can be the loss of a dream. It can be the loss of a relationship. 
But any loss that constitutes grief can take longer. And it's okay to sit and lean in to those emotions. I have to be honest, in the last couple of years, I've really felt a rise in negative emotions, and I'm not sure about you, but it seems like everyone has this sense of stress in their lives. It's also created a lot of negative behaviors that we're seeing playing out in the world. There's been an increase in isolation. We've seen rises in loneliness, fear, hypervigilance, loss of focus, anxiety, depression, and distress. One of the more common emotions that's on the rise, and it's documented by New York Times bestseller Adam Grant, is a feeling called languishing which is kind of a blah. It's a type of stagnation. It's a lack of joy. It's a feeling of emptiness. I'm not sure if any of you felt that during the pandemic, stuck in your house. Just, ugh. Not much. You're not happy. You're not sad. You're just there. And this is on the rise. Here, the idea of, of an emotion being an energy in motion is played out because it's a stuck emotion. And it just leaves you feeling not alive and not growing. Our deepest desire for ourselves is often to grow. We are bombarded with negative input and it's become harder and harder to ignore. This is because we have these things called mirroring neurons in our brain, which allow us to feel what someone else is feeling. So if you're feeling negative and down, you're automatically going to absorb the energy of them feeling down, and it shifts your moods and often shifts your thoughts. So it's contagious. You need to be careful. It can spread. It's important to know that what we focus on will grow. Negative emotions or a negative mindset will get stronger the more we practice them, and we can pass them on to others. But here's the good news. We can do the same with our positive thoughts and our positive emotions. So if we want to be this positive light in the world, we need to build our mental muscle. Just like a physical muscle would be built, a mental muscle grows as we build it, but we have to put the time and the energy into it. These mental muscles, as I mentioned earlier, are called neural pathways. In a simple form, they are a series of connected nerves along which electrical impulses travel in the body and supply us with the messages of response. So you see this is my funky little picture of a neuron. It's not a true neuron, but it's cute. And each one of these lines and paths is a belief, an action, an emotion, a sensation, a feeling. And they grow stronger and stronger the more we practice them. We literally build a synthesis of protein around each and every neuron that makes them thicker and stronger. This is why we believe that phrase, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, 
Not because it can't change, but because they're very strong. So, as I was saying, the system of response is repeated, the stronger the pathway will become in your brain. And it brings us back to that first quote that I said to you, which is, you will not rise to the level of your goals, but you're going to fall to the level of the system that you've created for yourself. The habits. The neurons, the neurons in your brain. If your habitual and automatic system is negativity, then that's what your outcome is going to be. It takes work and habit-forming skills to weaken the old habitual thought patterns and transform them into a new positive habitual thought process. In 2 Corinthians 10 and 5, I'm reminded that it says, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This is a very active word the word captive, and it says we do this, not God. We take them captive. So we actually literally capture a negative thought, and in positive intelligence we say we intersect it, and then replace them with a positive one. If we don't intersect, excuse me, if we don't intercept our negative thoughts, then from here is going to grow your saboteur. Your saboteur is going to be your toxic belief system. The word saboteur literally means a person who destroys or damages something. In today's context, it is a word that we use to describe the mindsets and behaviors that we develop from a place in our brain called our survival brain, the frontal cortex. Some of us might say the lizard brain. This is your fight, flight, freeze. The origin of the saboteurs are actually developed from our survival mechanisms that are based on character traits that we're actually good at as a child. And over time, we start overusing them. And these traits turn into our own self-sabotaging mechanisms. So for example, say you were very sensitive to emotions when you were a child. As a way to form resiliency in dealing with your emotions, you might have been taught, or you could have learned on your own, how to avoid them. And if you came from a family that had a high level of conflict, perhaps you became a peacemaker. Perhaps you became a person who deflected emotions, or someone who avoided them altogether. Or perhaps you created distractions by keeping yourself busy, or having a lot of humor, or overthinking or worrying. In a very simple explanation, they're based on our physical and emotional survival skills. So again, basically our fight and flight response. We feel a negative emotion, our survival brain kicks into effect, and our body and our mind respond in a very protective way. This is normal, and this is how we are. But as we grow older, 
these protective ways become more destructive and damaging to us. When we say in coaching, they no longer serve you. With mental fitness, we aim to become more aware of the negative pathways, intercept them, and intentionally activate the parts of the brain that generate positive feelings and thoughts. It's important to get to the root of the lie of the toxic belief and then replace it with the truth. We do this by strengthening our core mental muscle, which weakens the negative pathway and then strengthens the positive pathway, counteracting our stress response. So going back to our, our um, neuron or neural pathway that we were talking about, if we stop feeding the negative thought process and we start feeding another neural pathway, eventually that protein will shrivel up and die. It will no longer be synthesized and it will start to deteriorate. Dr. Lee says, if the attitude that is activated is negative, then the emotional response will naturally be negative or a stressful feeling. But if the attitude is positive, then the feeling that we have will be more peaceful. So today I'm going to share with you some ideas about this positive intelligence program I was talking about. It was created by the founder, Shazad Kameen. He's a New York Times bestselling author. He's a chairman of the largest training, um, coaches training organization in the world. He's a master coach to some of the top executives in the world and some of the most, in some of the Fortune 500 companies. And he's a faculty at Stanford and Yale School of Business. Kind of impressive, isn't it? <laughs> On their website, he states this, most attempts at positive change fail because we stop at insight and we don't build habits. Sustained change towards a more positive mind requires laying down neural pathways to form new habits through constant daily practice. And that's what this program is designed to empower you to do. So we're going to identify today saboteurs, the way we self-sabotage, and learn how to intercept them and weaken them by strengthening your PQ muscles, which we call the self-command or thriving brain, and shifting them. From there, we'll be able to discover new perspectives and see the powers that can be tapped into to live a more positive and thriving life. So now on your tables, <coughs> excuse me for my cough, <coughs> you're going to have, I think you, if you have a table hostess or not, you're going to have some questions and a little bit of time to kind of go through them to sort of ponder on your own what you think um, your thought life looks like. Be kind to yourself. If you get through one, fantastic. If you get through two, yay. If you get through three, bravo. If there is no home, this is not, a, you're not being graded on this. You can get through what you need. Speak as you will and allow everybody, my own thing is to allow everybody to share. The questions are going to be, what negative thoughts do you find that you focus on in your life? And what's the impact it has on you and the people around you? If you could shift your negative thoughts and your mindsets to positive ones, what might be possible for you? What might open up? And what are your current strategies for overcoming your negative thoughts? Or perhaps you don't have any, and that's what they do. This is just about observation. And what is real for you now 
So I just invite everybody to just be vulnerable with one another and to share. I think I'll be giving, I think, 10 minutes or 20, 15? 15? Woohoo! Nice. End up here in the last part of the first half here, talking a little bit about our saboteurs. And we're going to dig a little bit deeper into them. There's quite a number of them, so we're not going to be able to go into all of them. But I will explore one in particular with you. Saboteurs hijack your thoughts, your feelings, your actions, and the long-term effects of them are destructive. They hamper or hurt your ability to find joy and happiness and what you're truly looking for. So as children, as I said earlier, we develop a survival mechanism. It's based on our character traits, and we're actually naturally good at them, and I'll explain that to you a little bit later. Over time, we start overusing these traits, and they become self-sabotaging mechanisms. These saboteurs show up as toxic thoughts and our automatic habitual patterns. They represent our internal enemies, and each one of them comes with its own voice, beliefs, and assumptions. They work against you, and they sabotage your best interest. The stronger they grow, they start to become the foundation of self-limiting beliefs that we develop about ourselves, the beliefs that we develop about others, and the beliefs that we develop about our circumstances. In positive intelligence, they've identified 10 character saboteurs. So I just want you to look at these, and perhaps you can see something that sounds familiar to you. The avoider. The controller. The hyper-vigilant. The hyper-rational. The hyper-achiever. The pleaser. The stickler. The restless the victim, and the master of all, which we all have, and is part of our unfortunate broken humanity, is the judge. The judge is judging ourselves constantly, judging others, and judging circumstances. In short, the motivator for all of our saboteurs is based in fear and survival. If mental fitness is our ability to face difficult challenges with a positive and open mindset, we must first identify what is sabotaging us. All saboteurs have identifying characters, characteristics, thoughts, feelings, justification lies, and an impact on yourself and an impact on others. And they're all part of their original survival function. So since there's so many of them, I can't go into all of them in full-blown description. But I'll give you a website in a little while in which you guys can write that down. And on there, there's a saboteur assessment test. You can take it and find out what your saboteur is. And it's great. I'm going to talk to you, Joe, about the judge. The judge is universal, and every one of us has one. So it is with this saboteur that I'm going to do this deep dive. And as I described before, all of them, um, all of our other saboteurs, the other nine, they're called accomplice saboteurs, are often triggered 
when the judge shows up. Usually the judge is the first thing to show up, and then we get our little accomplice saboteur afterwards. So, the judge, oops, there we go, judging self, others, and circumstances, and it feels like a harsh critic. Its characteristics in the self is that inner critic. It's often saying, what's wrong with me? I'm not enough. Something's wrong. There's, you know, this isn't good enough. It's a lot of the I'm not enough. How could you do that? What's wrong? One of those voices. We all have them in our head. It's focusing on what's wrong with me. When it goes into others, it's focusing on what's wrong with them. So we're very externally focused in that sense. In that area, we often can get into a tricky situation in which we are in an inferiority or superiority comparison. So, in relationship to another person, we may be judging them, but we may be feeling inferior to them, or we may be judging them and we may be feeling superiority to them. So this comparison starts arising, we're going to be knowing, oh, that's my judge. He's here. So it sees our, circ our circumstances or outcomes often as bad, rather than seeing them as a gift and an opportunity. And I'll get into what a gift and an opportunity is um, through that perspective in a little while. The thoughts that are there, goodness gracious, here we go, um, is what's wrong with me, what's wrong with you, what's wrong with my circumstance. The feelings that you're going to feel here are the feelings of guilt, regret, shame, disappointment. Much of our anger and our anxiety comes because of our judge. And um, the lie that it's going to tell you is that without me pushing you, you're going to get lazy and complacent. Or that criticism is going to actually help you achieve. The harder you are on yourself, the more you're going to gain. It mistakes tough love as the voice of a reason rather than the destructive force of the saboteur that it actually is. It tells us that if you're not punished for every single mistake, you're never going to learn and you're going to repeat them. Without being scared, about a bad future outcome, you're not going to work hard to prevent it. Without me judging others, I'm going to lose my objectivity. And without me feeling bad about the outcome of something, I'm never going to change it. Here is what we call a push and pull effect. This is where you're being pushed into your reactions and your choices, pushed by fear rather than pulled by love. So whether it is you criticize yourself of the fear that you have become when someone may judge you, that is a place where we have so much stress and anxiety. How many of you woke up this morning and made sure you put on your makeup, did your hair, and picked out your clothes and thought, what will people think? I do it all the time. <laughs> What will I say? How many people will be there? Any of that. It also is the source of a lot of conflict that we have 
with other people. And as we were talking at our table, it can be the source of conflict with our relationship partners and whoever that may be. It can also be the source of conflict with relationships we have with our children or relationships that we have with our friends. Because our critic comes out, we criticize each of ourselves or we criticize them. We feel the need to intercede and be in control of their lives. So I want to just make a side note here. There's an impact, sorry, my little button isn't working very well. Judgment is not the same as wise discernment. So if any of you come from a Christian background, much of the scriptures talk about judgment and how we need to work in with judgment, have good judgment in our lives. This isn't the same terminology. That is wise discernment, wise spiritual discernment. This is judgment, criticism. So just so that we make that clear in the, in the use of the, of the language. The scriptures really give us plenty of instructions about judgment. Here's a couple. Do not judge and criticize and condemn others unfairly with an attitude of self-righteous superiority as though assuming the office of the judge so that you will not be judged unfairly. This is the amplified version of Matthew 7.1. It's important for me to remind you here that your saboteurs or our saboteurs will trigger someone else's saboteur. So if your judge shows up, you might see someone you love's victim come into play. If your judge shows up, you might find somebody's controller come into play. It's this mirroring neurons that I was telling you about. When someone's in a defensive mode, you're going to become in and you're going to move into a defensive mode. So our automatic and habitual responses that we have, if they have them, if we're not aware of them, we're not conscious of what's happening in that moment, they're going to automatically take over. There's a place in Romans 14, 13 that puts this into perspective for me. It says, therefore, let us stop judging one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. I never thought of it that way. So here is where we're going to talk about how your saboteurs are actually based on characters and parts of who you were that are natural to you as a child. And they've gotten out of balance. These are the accomplished saboteurs. They're found in the intersection of your personal primary motivation, which is independence, acceptance, and security, and your primary style. Do you assert, do you earn, or do you avoid? They can also be influenced by extreme distress and trauma in your life. And the saboteurs um, of our parents that were exhibited can also build a saboteur within ourselves as a child. So for example, if you were a child that had a parent who was controlling, this might mean that you developed an avoider or you developed a pleaser. So again, there's an in-depth exploration of all nine that can be found on www positiveintelligence.com. Yes. We're almost done. I, I'm almost finished. So I, need, I have one more slide. 
It, it, it won't work after. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I have a plan. <laughs> so here in, the, I want to just put, like say here that when we, Ephesians 5.13 says, when we, things are brought into the light, their true nature is clearly revered and revealed. So here is where we want to know and understand where they come from. They're seductive and they repeat, appear um, unreasonable to you in an unfit mind. A saboteur does the greatest damage when it convinces you and your friends to trust it and to ignore it. But remember, they're not your friends. They motivate you through negative emotions like fear, stress, anger, and shame. And there's a better way to move forward. One that will motivate you through positive emotions like empathy, curiosity, creativity, and purpose. In positive intelligence, we call this the sage or the wisdom of our mind. And we will dive into that later. So the best way to start dealing with a saboteur is to observe it and label it. Some people don't like this because they don't feel it's doing enough. But I have to tell you, there's a lot of power in discrediting their voice. By declaring them separate from you and giving them space, it gives you the space to be something besides your saboteur. So let's use that master saboteur as an example. Instead of saying, I am not capable, you might say, my judge thinks I am not capable. Okay? And instead of saying, that person intentionally hurt me, or that person is intentionally trying to make me look bad, you might say, my judge is saying, that person has intentionally made me look bad. You give it space, and you're not labeling yourself. Okay? So it's just a quick way to look at that. So by practicing this exercise, you actually get really stronger at who they, you get stronger at seeing who they are and also giving yourself space to be more what you are intended to be. Soon you'll be so good at identifying them that the next step in the mental fitness program will be easier to execute. So when we return after the break, I'm going to give you some practical tools to activate this sage wisdom perspective in your brain. And I'm going to teach you and show you how we can unleash these five powers that exist within us in the, in the uh, positive brain. These practices are going to accelerate the quieting of the saboteur voice and make your positive brain louder and more dominant in your life. So now I'd like you all to just take a couple of deep breaths in, and we're going to try a little something. Um, that is about recentering yourself. So make sure you're really comfortable. There is a little bit of noise in this space downstairs, but you'll be an opportunity to focus on that in just a second. If you could just close your eyes. I'd like you to take a couple of deep breaths in. Place your hand on your chest and your stomach. And if you can close your eyes and just focus on the rising and the falling of your breath. I'd love you to take two fingers, tips, and place them together with such an intention that you can actually feel your ridges on your fingertips. 
focus on that for about three breaths. Placing both of your hands together, rub one hand gently against the other hand, and place all of your attention and all of your focus on how the skin feels against each other. your face, touch your forehead, and slowly move down towards your nose. When you get to your nose, notice the temperature of the air is coming out of your nose, and the temperature of the air is going into your nose. And focus on that for about three or four breaths. in and hold it for four seconds. Breathe out for four. One, two, three, four. And then remove, remain, let yourself go into a normal breathing rhythm. And when you're ready, open your eyes. take your IQ and have a, a, a measurable thing that you could do in your, in your intelligence, or we often hear the, the, the phrase EQ, your emotional quotient. This is your positive quotient. 
These are the PQ or positive quotient reps that you do to build up your core mental muscles. The more that we still the body and have intentional focus on one thing, the more we turn our positive brain on. When you are creating quietness and awareness, it will recenter your nervous system and it will take you out of your survival brain. Have you ever seen a person who's acting out of control? We might say to them, just snap out of it. Or you might say, come to your senses. So think about that phrase for a moment, come to your senses. We just did that earlier. Our body exists in the now. Our heart is beating for you right now. Focused attention on being with something that is present connects you to the positive brain, or in positive intelligence, we call it the sage or wisdom brain. When we focus our attention on our five senses, we bring the body and the brain systems back to a more centered and clear-headed place. It's here that you're automatically going to start to feel more uplifting feelings and have an opportunity to have more advantages to different perspectives. It's here where we feel peace, joy, and happiness. And all of these things are absolutely impossible to feel when we're in and stuck in that lizard brain, our survival brain. I'm reminded in scriptures, in Psalm 46, 10, that we are to be still and know God. John 1, 48 says that God is love. And those who live in love live in God. If our positive brain is the pull into love, then I like to translate Psalm 46, 10 into be still and know the love. When we strengthen our positive mind and start to quiet the saboteur mind chatter, we enhance what scientists call the default mode network. This is the DMN. It is here where we improve brain function, which actually has a profound effect on mental, physical, and spiritual health. And this place in our mind is only activated when we are in a place of rest or stillness. When we shift to the wiser, positive perspective, or the sage perspective, we're able to see that all, in all things there is a gift and an opportunity, no matter what the situation that you're in. In my faith tradition, this perspective can be connected to a scripture, Romans 8.28, that says, in all things work together for good for those who love God and are called to his purposes. Now, I realize that this can be very difficult in our modern world. The world we live in today has every possible distraction. And every distraction out there from keeping us to be still and focused. How many of you here own a phone? Or do you play Candy Crush? <laughs> Facebook? Instagram? 
check the news all the time, or push through notifications. All of those things are meant to keep us distracted. And they don't allow us to be still for very long. It actually also keeps us in a lie that multitasking is something we should be proud of. And as a woman, how many of you have been told that you're great at multitasking? Dr. Amishi Yaf, whose study is on focus, explains it like this. Focus is like a flashlight in the brain, and you only have one flashlight. So what do we do with that one flashlight when we're quote-unquote multitasking? We're in a frantic and distracted place, quickly moving the light back and forth and back and forth. This only leads us to a place of feeling a lack of rest and increasing our stress and leading us into mental and physical exhaustion. So it's important for us to choose to give the body a place of rest and repair to achieve balance. The part of our body that responds, our central nervous system that responds to our fight or flight is our sympathetic or parasympathetic nervous system. Another word for that is rest and repair. Deuteronomy 30.19 reminds us of this choice. Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Oh, that you would choose life so that your descendants might live. We have a choice. We have a choice on how we choose to respond to every situation. But it's difficult often when we're stuck in our saboteur mind to be able to just switch, to just capture, to just move into another direction right away. So by choosing the PQ rep technique, we give our minds and our body the the focused fuel that we need and the mental fitness to choose the life-affirming positive options rather than the destructive ones of the saboteur. We have to start by slowing down. And it's here that we have access to a calmer mind. We have access to a place that we can explore the five powers that will help meet the challenges that we are set in front of us every day in a way that results in the best outcome and generating positive emotions and minimizing our negative stress. The five stage powers that I'm going to go over with you that exist within each one of our humanity show up at different times in our life and in different ways. What we want to do is to make sure that we have access to them without polluting them with saboteur interference because they're so much more powerful when they're in their purest form. If you want to grow, for example, empathy in your life, um, you might want to practice more self self-love. And the stronger your critical voice is, sometimes it's actually harder to develop that self-empathy. 
So by intercepting that judge, that critical voice, stopping and breathing, we give ourselves access to that place of empathy. So here are the five powers. As we just said, empathy, exploration, innovation, navigation, and decisive action. And I'm going to go into each one of them with you now. So let's begin with empathize. Pure empathy is an antidote to the judge's critical voice. Empathy recharges our batteries and renews and sustains our vitality. When your reserves or someone else's reserves are running low, this is the part of our wisdom and the love within us that we can access. So here's an example. Say you failed at something important in life. It could be something small, like a little mess up at work, or something like a broken glass in the sink, or it could be something big, like a broken relationship, or a huge mess up at work. For the most part, most of us will find our judge coming in, and our judge is going to berate you. What's wrong with you? How could you do that? You should have been more careful. You should have done this. You should have done that. It will sit there and remind you about how terrible you are and how you should be better. It will kick you when you're down. So how do we develop a deeper empathy for ourselves? And how do we develop empathy for others? Well, one of the ways that I do it is I focus on things that I know to be true. And for me, it's scripture. And I'm paraphrasing in Matthew 22, 37 through 4, when it tells us, to love God with all ourselves, and through this love, to love others and love ourselves. The scripture is actually, love one another with all your heart. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, loving others as you love yourself. And I find that because we put the love yourself at the end of that scripture, we tend to just drop it off and forget it altogether. So I'd like to really switch it up. Love God with all your heart and soul, and love yourself so that you're capable to others. In Ephesians 4 to 32, it says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as you are forgiven. Forgiveness is a huge role and plays a big part in empathy. We know as Christians we're forgiven by God, but in regular life and in any life, and no matter what your faith belief is, we often do not have the skill of forgiving ourselves and allowing ourselves to feel released from the judgment that we give to we actually put on ourselves. Another way to do this is to imagine the child within yourself. When you imagine a small child playing or exploring or laughing and shining with their true essence, how does that make you feel? If you have small children and you're looking at them playing with laughter, discovering something new, it often fills you with this overwhelming sense of love for them. So I want you to just take a few moments and visualize yourself as a child. These are pictures of me as a child. When I look at these pictures, I see a little girl who loves to smile, who loves the outdoors, who loves to sing, who loves to create, and who loves to discover new things. 
And I'm able to remember her essence, who she was created to be. And I can grow my love for her as adult me. I can remember that I'm wonderfully fearfully made. Now as a disclaimer, if you have childhood trauma in your life, I do ask that you be compassionate with yourself and know that the child that lives with inside of you still deserves care and a safe space to process all of your hurts and your wounds and heal. The next is explore. So it's similar to the child perspective of empathy. A child is filled with wonder and exploration. Matthew 19, 14 tells us that for unto the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these little children. How many of you have found such joy as we spoke about earlier in watching a small child discover something new with wonderment and excitement? My girls are older. I have a 19-year-old and a 16-year-old, so their wonderment is fading slightly. <laughs> they came to observe to hear me talk, so there was some wonderment there. <laughs> but I do find great joy and exploration in watching my little dog discover new things. She's only 14 months old, and um, it's been puppy years, so we're having a great time watching her. Once again, the young in heart are pulled into curiosity, openness, wonder, and fascination. When we allow ourselves to experience this power of exploration, we can find deeper understanding to the problem or the situation. Instead of drawing a conclusion or devising a solution immediately, we give it space to be fully understood. Exploration can be an antidote to someone who has a controller saboteur. The explore mode is also a place in which we are self-reflective in our lives. If we avoid exploring our past mistakes and our past failures, we miss out on the beauty and the opportunity of the gift of learning, growing, and maturing. Proverbs 13, 3.13 says, Joyful is a person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. Innovate is about breaking out of the boxes and creating something new. This is needed when an old approach is no longer working. This can help you break down those limiting beliefs we talked about. They can be limiting beliefs that you have about yourself, others, or circumstances. One of the best ways to, um, to head into an innovating session is to do some brainstorming, or brain mapping, sometimes people call it. What's important to remember here is to not allow your judge to creep in, because a judge will stop innovation in its tracks. You need to give yourself permission to generate as many ideas and possibilities, no matter how crazy they seem. It's actually quite a fun approach, and you automatically can generate some really outside-of-the-box thinking. In a group setting, this exercise can be activated as a game called Yes And. So someone generates an idea, 
And instead of using the word but, which is the judge, slipping in there really slight, you say, ah, yes. And I was thinking we could do blah, 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 and you generate a new idea. So the idea is to keep this moving really quickly because if you give it any time, the judge is going to creep right in. This is an all things are possible exercise. And in here I was reminded of Ephesians 3.20 that says, Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. All things are possible. Let's think outside the box. Navigation. We need to navigate when there are multiple choices in front of you. Or when you're feeling stuck. It is here that a roadmap is helpful. A north star, many of my clients might call it. You're searching for an internal compass. We do that for, by allowing rule, room for emotional and visceral understanding of things like your values, your purpose, and your meaning. So when I work with a client, we typically take a deep dive into those areas. And that can last months. We dive deeper into the things that really make them click. What brings them alive? What do they value? What is the things that they do that make them feel purposeful in this world? We also put together a purpose statement for them. And what activities give them meaning? All of this, again, what makes you go into that Pull. What do you love? It is possible to gain a perspective very quickly. This can happen when our lives flash before our eyes. If any of you have experienced a health issue or been in a car accident or had someone around you important pass away, you might suddenly gain a new perspective, gain a new meaning, Start to understand what's really important to you, what you really value. And it's from this space that we can see a course of action in a much clearer way. Once you know your horizon, you can fix your eyes on what lies ahead. Proverbs 4, 25. A way to shift into this perspective if you haven't been in a car accident, so I'm not suggesting you do that or anything. <laughs> but it's to just sit down in a reflective mode and, and pair it with exploration. And ask yourself, at the end of my life, what is it that I would have wanted to accomplish? Where do I see myself 20 years from now? Or perhaps you might want to write your own eulogy. It's a kind of weird thing. What do you want people to say about you? What's the footprint that you want to leave in the world? It's in that moment that you often see what's really, really important. And it gives you that guiding light that you're looking for. When we activate, we're often using a lot of everything that we've already learned and 
and then moving into a decisive action that is firm in many of the other five, um, many of the other four powers that I was just talking about. We can use this in any situation in which active, active action is needed. What's important to remember is that we really come from our wisdom and our wise brain here. We're not activating or making decisions from our saboteur. Since this part of our brain is activated by love, I actually like to use 1 Corinthians 13 as kind of a litmus test to how my actions are playing forward. We see really all of the instructions for us in this verse. Am I being patient? Am I being kind? Am I envying? Am I boasting? Am I proud? Am I dishonoring someone? Am I self-seeking? Am I being easily angered in this moment? Or often we might say triggered. Am I keeping wrongs? A record of them. That's a big judge space, isn't it? Because love never fails. When we move into action that's motivated by my reactive survival brain, when I'm in my saboteur, these actions and choices are often so clouded by negative feelings that we then give those negative feelings to the people around us. And it's not going to serve us or allow us to be the light that we want to be in the world. This is another really great reason why it's important to know what your saboteur is and to be able to introspect it when you see it showing up. When it runs rapid in your mind, it's actually going to start to take over your behavior. So by anticipating what its lie is and calling it out, you discredit it, do a PQ rep, and then shift to the truth of the wise sage brain that allows you to act out of love and use it as a verb. It allows you to think clearly and uncumbered about anger, revenge, bitterness, anxiety, or any other drama that your saboteur is going to bring in. So what are some other ways that we can build up our PQ muscle? To build a muscle in an arm, you have to lift a weight repeatedly. To build a muscle in your brain, you have to do much of the same. So most of health experts and fitness experts will recommend you take 10,000 steps a day. How many of you have a Fitbit or an Apple Watch and you're constantly tra tracking your steps? I never realized why I can't get to 10,000 a day. I feel like I'm walking off the walk. I think something's wrong with my phone. <laughs> the PQ brain suggests that we do 100 reps each day. So a rep is going to be about three breaths of focused attention. This ends up being about 15 minutes a day that you need to do this to start to build up the protein that synthesizes in your brain. It focuses your attention on a body sensation for about 10 seconds. It's about three breaths if you take it in and exhale, take it in and exhale. If you do it slowly, not those kinds of breaths, okay? So really good filling your lungs kind of breaths. We have really a ton of opportunities to do through this 
any time of the day. You can do what we call a body scan. So as you sit in your chair right now, you can just sense what it feels like to be sitting on your chair. What do your feet feel like when they're on the floor? You might feel the temperature, the texture of something that you're holding. So you might have a glass and place all of your attention on how it feels in your hand. Three seconds, or three breaths, excuse me, 10 seconds. And here's what's fun. Remember how we heard all that chatter over there? You can focus your attention on that sound. Three breaths. You're still doing a PQ rep and it's still noisy. Daily routines can be turned into reps. Brushing your teeth, washing your hair, chewing your food, your exercise routine, listening to music. Instead of zoning out and listening to mind chatter, focus on one sensation, one movement, one sound. Visually, this can be done by looking at one thing, noticing the detail. Look at it like a painter might. What are the shades and the colors that you never noticed before? Now you have your eyes open. You might do it when you're with someone. I can look at you, and I can notice your eyes that match your shirt. <laughs> and focus on an individual. You're not only making a connection, you're also doing a geeky rep. One of the more fun ways to do this with someone that you love is to give them a 10-second hug. It said that one minute being fully present with a loved one has a deeper and more lasting impact on you and your relationship than spending an entire day with somebody who is scattered or dealing with emotional clatter or um, brain clatter in their mind. It takes 21 days to detox your mind, as it does most anything when we build a habit. This is because those positive neuro pathways take time to synthesize and build up. Every time you capture the thought, activate intentional focus, and mentally reflect on positive thoughts, you're synthesizing those proteins in your brain that are forming the new pathways. Here's the cool part. Research has shown that the mental practice of mindfulness, imagination, visualization, deep thought, reflection, also produces the same physical changes in the brain as would physically carrying out that same process in real time. So, for example, you're walking through your day, and you know you're going to meet someone, and there might be a conflict there or you've had a conflict with this person in, in, in the past. And instead of focusing on what's happened in the past, you focus on how you want to be, show up, and what you would like it to look like. Science is proving that in our brain, the visualization of that, reimagining the goodness that you could come out of this situation, can actually form a neuropathway 
that allows you to behave as though it has happened to you before. Genesis 11, 6, the Amplified Version says, Nothing they have imagined they can do will be impossible for them. That gave me chills. One of the tools in the guided part of the app is bringing up these memories that I just spoke about and imagining how I can apply the perspective of a gift or an opportunity or the five stage powers. For me, there's a, I have, as a person of faith, I have hundreds of biblical truths that remind me of who I am in Christ. My mom used to give me scripture all the time growing up. Now, did I like it then? Probably not. But I have that voice sort of somewhere in the back of my head. She used to say to me all the time, you know, all things are possible with Christ Jesus. So somewhere in the back of my head, that was always there. You may have seen a quote that uplifted you, or heard someone give you some really good, sage, positive advice, and that sits with you really well. You might have had a really great mentor in your life who showed you compassion and understanding and love. Lean in and lean in to those areas. So let me give you an example. Today, my first reaction to speaking to all of you here and in Zurich was no way. I really had so much self-doubt. It filled me the moment the question was proposed. I sort of felt nauseous. My stomach went bleh. And I thought, well, me? Why? What do I have to offer? However, I've been building up my PQ muscles for about a year and a half. And by then, I knew that I just needed to stop and slow myself down. I realized it was my judge that was saying that I was not enough. And I recalled that memory verse that my mother said to me, you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. My not enough saboteur was quieted. And I could lean into the power and the strength of empathy for myself. I could navigate through the topic today. I could explore and investigate deeper into the science and into the scriptures that I shared with you today. And I could innovate with an open mind. And I'm actively giving you the daily talk today. You see, the promise that God gave me, and this is why I get emotional six years ago, that he would make all things new has come true. Because he's given me a new mind. Literally, he's given me a new spirit, a new relationship with my husband and my children, a new path of meaning for my life. And it started with shifting my thoughts and working on my mental fitness. So my prayer for each and every one of this unique and beautiful soul in this room is that you can have the same because summing it up, my friends, I say to you all, do best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true, that are noble, that are reputable, that are authentic, that are compelling, that are gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse.
Thanks, Jess.